Now the story of a wealthy family who lost everything and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together. It's Arrested Development. Hey, Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast normally about NBC's The Good Place, which is coming back in three weeks. Thank you. <sighs> Day of your choice. <laughs> yes. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she doesn't understand the question, and she won't respond to it. It's my sister, Marissa. I think when I was younger, I saw Lucille Bluth as sort of an antagonist, and now I kind of see her more as a role model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, most of the, my discussion is just about how iconic Lucille Bluth is. <laughs> Since The Good Place is coming back soon, thank you again, and we only have a few weeks until season three starts up, we thought we would do a few episodes of the podcast of Dealer's Choice. So last week we did playing house which i just have to shameless plug for one hot second uh lennon parham liked my tweet promoting (gasps) podcast episode what so between this and ted dance and i really think i should just like retire my twitter game because it's not gonna get any better than this you had some of the most wonderful people on the planet like your tweets I, I, I'm a, I'm a, what can I say? I'm an influencer. <laughs> so uh, this week we are watching the original seasons of Arrested Development. So yeah, we, ne- we do not speak of the Netflix seasons. Yeah, there are like a couple jokes that I like from season four. I haven't even touched season five, but we, we ride for the original three, so... Uh, before we get started, some housekeeping. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Marissa, do you want to talk a little bit about the review drive? Yeah, as we're heading into season three of The Good Place, and there's a lot of chatter about the show, we suspect that more people might be looking for a Good Place recap show. And so we would love it if you could rate and or review us on iTunes because that's how people actually find podcasts is because they turn up in an iTunes search. Yeah. So, and and we're, we don't even really like rank on iTunes search right now because yeah. because we have so few. We have one. We've had one. Thank you, Ian. We've had one <laughs> rating and review for like months and months and months. Um, if you want to go analog, you can just like tell your friends about it. That's what I did with a friend of mine. So <laughs> yeah, uh, we can't rate and review ourselves. That would be unethical. I thought about it. I thought about it. I was mm. like, should I do it? No, no, it wouldn't nope. get me very many good place points. So exactly. please rate, rate us and review us. Tell your friends. And then you can also follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play Twitter. We are at The Good Play Pod. And you can also send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. So, Arrested Development. It's really hard to recap this show because the average scene length I think I've heard is one minute. And (laughs) and so I think that we are probably better off sort of just talking broad strokes rather than minutiae. Although yeah, I, I would like to recount every Lucille joke that happens. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. That we can give like broad strokes of an episode and then just like get into like our favorite bits or particularly Lucille related things <laughs> if we wanted to. So one of the interesting things about this show that I kind of learned only recently was that it was, I think, one of the first TV shows to be shot uh, digitally. Oh. And they saved a lot of money doing that. And it also meant that they had a lot more flexibility in terms of 
they could make these really short scenes and they could do these more kind of outrageous setups because the the production was in some sense a lot easier than a traditional film production. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's kind of how it's able to be sort of so tight and packed with jokes and like quick cuts because they were sort of feeling their oats on this is really Mitch Hurwitz was feeling his oats on this uh, like digital video thing. That's actually, I mean, and that the, the fill, being filled with jokes and having these absurd premises and jumping around a lot and having, you know, so many characters that you're following. It is very, the good place. It's the same kind of feel, I think. Mm, interesting. It's just it's that, a lot more cynical than yeah, I was uh, gonna say. Places. Everybody on the show belongs in the bad. Every single person on the show. Yeah, belongs you in the kind bad of place. begin the show thinking that Michael is the good guy, and then you figure out. And I, it really struck me rewatching. You know, I, I, I hadn't watched a show in a really long time. I, I watched through. I own the first three seasons on DVD, and I watched through them all at some point. But I don't think I'd watched them since I'd had children, and watching them as a parent i was like oh no (laughs) no 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 you no no (laughs) yeah everyone is selfish everyone is selfish uh michael i think is the least at least at the beginning of the show the least selfish of all of them but i don't know that selfishness is his problem per se he's you know that whole thing in the second so we watched three episodes the second episode that we watched had a whole thing about how he was like jealous of George Michael having a girlfriend, which is yeah. just like so far outside the boundaries of good parenting. <laughs> it's a little bit painful. Yeah. Well, but that's selfish too, because he wants to keep George Michael, you know, for himself. We're, we're getting a that's little a good point. That's a good discussion-y point. Yeah. up front. But um, yeah. so do we want to just do some quick recaps and then we can kind of, yeah, because it yeah, sounds yeah. like we're going to have more discussion yeah, so we picked one episode from each of the three seasons, just sort of episodes that are funny, not anything that has anything major plot-related per se. Um, first... Although, when I did ask you which ones you wanted to do, you said, I want to do the episode where Lucille says, I don't understand the question and I won't respond to it. And I was like, that is my that's favorite I... thing that anybody's <laughs> ever said. I just said it to... So there's some guy at my workplace, my workplace is huge, who is a high up person i don't know how much power he actually has but he's a high up person and he likes to try to bro down with people like me who are peons (laughs) and he was kind of trying to bro down with me and i literally this was over instant messenger i literally typed to him i don't understand the question and i won't respond to it this was this past week (laughs) just channeling lucille so it's never not appropriate (laughs) So yeah, so the, it actually public relations, which is the first one we watched, season one, episode eleven, is actually one of my favorite episodes, just in general. So I was glad we got to watch that one. I don't have enough memory of this show to like know if it was one of my favorites, but Lucille, y'all, yeah, yeah. So the the basic thrust of this is that Michael wants to hire a publicist, and he hires this woman. What's her name? Jessica. Jesse. Yeah. Jesse. He hires this woman, Jesse, who he has kind of been flirting with at spin class at the gym to be the publicist. And she says some, like, very real things about the family, how, you know, Buster, everybody finds Buster unsettling and he should just (laughs) stay out of sight, which he does for the whole episode. Which is great. Yeah. 
she tells Tobias to get his medical license back, you know, and Michael's like, you know, here, stupidly, he says, here's an envelope full of cash and a ride to the airport and go buy a plane ticket, which, of course, was the exact wrong thing to do. Yeah. She gets Lindsay a job as a Cloudmere vodka promoter. Yeah. And she gets Job. Okay. Time out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Every time I saw Job on screen, I thought of the presidential sons. Every time. Every oh time my God. he opened his mouth, I was like, oh, it's uh, it's Don Jr. Oh, my God. Now that's all I'm going to think about, too. <laughs> it is Don Jr., right? He's the one who looks like... Wait, let me Google. There's one of them that looks exactly like Job. Yeah, it's Don Jr. Look, just Google image. Actually... I do this. Google Job versus Don Jr. and you will come up with <laughs> I I don't need to do that. I I can imagine it and it uh, is haunting my dreams. But, nothing but like think piece after think piece about how they're exactly the same person. <laughs> Like, Will Arnett is marginally more attractive, but other than that... I would say more than marginally. (laughs) But the way he's styled in this show makes him, like, really slimy and awful. That's true, yeah. yeah, And I guess that makes Ivanka Lindsay, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, Eric would be a buster, for sure. I mean, that's pretty clear. This is a hashtag real talk. So every time Job was even on screen, I was like, ah, Don Jr. So <laughs> that was, I mean, it's not like spiritually, it's pretty correct too. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but the publicist, Jesse, gets Job uh, like a charity job with his magic career. <laughs> where he's going to be. illusions. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to, this is a family friendly podcast. Yes. I'm not going to finish that quote. No, I know. So, oh boy. Yeah. Meanwhile... Basically, um, the reason that Michael is so concerned with getting a publicist is because he's worried that the family acting out, as they have been doing, is starting to cost George Michael, his own son, played by Michael Sarah, opportunities. Before his voice changed, did you notice that? <laughs> well, yeah, he's young on this show. Yeah, it's so cute. He's adorable. Um, right, he specifically wants George Michael to go to the Milford School, uh, a school where children are seen but not heard. Neither seen nor heard. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> which is and in how, fact, you never do see any children at the Milford School. Which is how Buster stays hidden, because he stayed at the Milford... He was, like, the only one who of the family who ever even liked going to the Milford School. Yeah, he absor- he's a Milford man. <laughs> you can always that tell came a Milford up, man. That came up in one of the other episodes we did, too. The was, third one, yeah. Yeah. So Job does go to the nursing home to do a, a charity show and an old man volunteers for the Aztec tomb illusion where he kind of um, gets into a, a a piece of furniture with a false back. But then the old man takes the opportunity to sneak out and Job is like, oh, God, I, you know, I, I murdered. Well, he doesn't initially think he's murdered him. He just says my career has been murdered. Because he disappeared, this old man. Uh, it's Earl Milford. It's the yeah. Guy we don't find that out till later, but okay. but it is the Milford School. It's like the original headmaster of the Milford School. And so, of course, the fact that Job has lost him makes George Michael's chances of getting into the school even worse. 
Meanwhile, Tobias is on an airport shuttle when he runs into Carl Weathers. Oh my God, like Carl Weathers par, exam- par exemple. And he lets it slip to Carl Weathers, who is obviously very thirsty, that he has $1,100 for an airline ticket to Boston. And Carl Weathers is like, oh, what a coincidence. That's exactly how much I charge for my acting classes. And Tobias sees this as his sign from the universe, and he goes to do acting classes with Carl Weathers, even though Tobias is clearly... One of the world's worst actors. David Cross is not. <laughs> no, no, this yeah. is not entitled as in, it not not yeah. intended as a slam on David Cross. No, Jesse and Michael get into a relationship, kind of, sorta. But this is the first woman that he's dated since his wife died, mm-hmm. and he kind of gets into it a little bit. But then he 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 tries to sound out George Michael on it. And George Michael is kind of opaque about his feelings. And Michael kind of takes this as like, George Michael's not ready. So he tells Jesse, like, let's just keep this professional. And Jesse's like, how about you just find yourself a new publicist? And then she goes to the banana stand where George Michael is working. And um, like, is very awful to him. He's yeah, a child. Truly a child. awful. Truly, truly awful to him. She says, like, how do you feel about ruining your father's chances at happiness? And he's just like, what? I want my dad to be happy. What? And then, much like in the Seinfeldian tradition, you know, all these threads that have been going on parallel throughout the episode converge in one place. And here it is the restaurant where Lindsay orders Cloudmere vodka in order to promote it. Professionally. (laughs) Professionally. Carl Weathers and Tobias come to find her. Michael has a date with Jesse kind of trying to be like, well, actually, I think we might be able to work this out. But well, so Lucille uh, for at first comes over with a newspaper with this like really mean, trashy story about the Bluths that Jesse seems to have planted. Yeah. So when she starts working for them, she says, I want to get a story in the paper about how the Bluths are like a relatable family. And so... Instead of writing or, you know, getting that story in the paper, what she does in retribution for basically being not dumped by Michael, but put off like, you know, her romantic intentions were sort of put off by him. What she does in retribution is put a story that, look, is probably true (laughs) um, because they're all kind of terrible. But, you know, what we sort of didn't mention at the top is like the loose the scene in which lucille bluth says i don't understand yeah, I was the gonna question say, I, I have to rewind this yeah uh the 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 scene in which she says i don't understand their question and i won't respond to it happens because she they're at like a they're at like an like a tgi fridays almost I, well they're at like an applebee's essentially yeah. well is there a huge difference anyway yeah i think TG, it's fine <laughs> Listeners, listeners, if you have a feeling about uh, which chain restaurant is better. Oh, but, this is not about better. This is just about what I think they were trying to go for oh, with I Klimpies. Um, so, but the scene in, in which that happens, Lindsay and Lucille both kind of get tipsy and get into it and have a fight with each other. And, like, basically start this... At Klimpies, a family restaurant. And start this altercation, and, like, somebody calls the cops, basically. So, uh, Lucille's point when she comes in is, like, we are allowed to 
to get into like she literally says like we're allowed to get into scrapes and call each other names and yes we occasionally steal from each other but we're allowed to do that because we're family you don't get to do that you don't have the right so the story that she planted was probably true because they are all terrible people but Lucille's point isn't that she lied her Lucille is upset because she doesn't have Jesse doesn't have the right as someone who's not in the family to be like airing out their dirty laundry like that. I also really I, I question what Jesse's motives are here, I guess. So what happens is then Michael kind of has a heart to heart with George Michael and is like, hey, just tell me what you think. And George Michael's like, Jesse's a psycho and I don't want to go to Milford school. And yeah. Michael's like, great. That would have saved us all some time. <laughs> I love, yeah, I love that response. Well, so, you know, maybe she is literally just a psycho. But it does seem like it's not a great, you know, if people hire her to be a publicist and it's like, and word gets out that she was hired by this family. And then when things didn't work out over the course of like 24 or 48 hours, she then like sunk them in a newspaper story. Like that doesn't seem like it'll be good for your career. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's arrested I, development. You can't like I was gonna really say, get, get the far into it. Nobody has any professional st- standards or boundaries on this show. No. Not even the side <laughs> characters. No. Like Bob Blah Blah. Or Gene Parmesan. Gene! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did not do a Gene Parmesan episode. We didn't. Uh, and then in the stinger, uh, Earl Milford dies in <laughs> Job's Aztec tomb. Yeah. Uh, that was dark. <laughs> I was not expecting that. So that's that's our season one episode. Uh, season two, we watched Afternoon Delight, which... Oh, boy. Um, yeah. This I, is... I watched this at the gym. Uh, humble brag. I do sometimes go to the gym. Um, I was on some wonky cardio machine that I have no idea what it was even supposed to be doing for me, but I was glued to this episode and it was like, it was like silent as a tomb in the room that I was working out in, except occasionally it would just be like me being like, (laughs) (laughs) and and then like at one point during both renditions of Afternoon Delight, I had to take my headphones off because I could not listen to it (laughs) because I was like, I cannot absorb this amount of awkward i need to just read the captions and put the headphones back on when they're done singing yeah so at this point in the series you know the bluth company is being run by joe rather than michael and uh the the whole thrust of the episode is about this christmas party that they had every year and they would always roast uh the michael and joe's father whose name is George Sr. George Sr. Thank you. I was like, Oscar? No, that's the hippie brother. Also played by Jeffrey played by Tambor. James, yeah. Let's, by the way, let's just not. That's, I know. Let's I just said, not. I said the same thing. <laughs> let's just not. Guys, you want to Google, you want to Google Jeffrey Tambor? You want to Google uh, how the cast, you know, how that cast in that New York Times interview treated uh, Jessica Walters? Please Google it. Uh, we're not going to get into it no. because this is not the not the not the forum for it. I don't think, except to say like it happened, and uh, a lot of people are a lot worse than you think they are. Yeah. So 
one of the through lines of this episode is Job constantly inflating the amount of money his suit costs. <laughs> yes. This and this was what he most reminded me of Don Jr. Yeah. <laughs> he was just going around going the guy in the the guy in the $7,000 suit. <laughs> yeah. Is going to hold the door for you? Like I don't think so. Pretty great. Lindsay is trying to flirt and go home with somebody at the holiday party because she and Tobias are in an open relationship. Their marriage is always a shambles. Yeah. Uh, Michael's excited to spend time with George Michael, but George Michael is uh, going to go to Anne Veal's Christmas party. Who? <laughs> I was about to be like, Anne Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's played by someone who is super famous. Who is it? Googling. Isn't it? Isn't it Ellen Page? No, uh, May Margaret Whitman. Huh. Uh, oh, she was in Independence Day. Oh, yeah, I've seen her before. She was in Scott Pilgrim. Uh, oh, with Michael Sarah. Yeah. Well, Come so on. was um, Michael Sarah and uh, Jason Bateman were both in Juno together. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, she's in Big Mouth. Yeah, she's been in a lot. Oh, she was um, Drunk History. Okay. Yeah. I don't need her whole CV. <laughs> she's a person. She's a she's a voice on a. Uh, she's the voice of Batgirl. Yeah, she, yeah, I think she does a fair yeah. amount of voice work. Yeah. So there's this whole thread about how Michael is jealous of George Michael spending time with Anne, who he really doesn't like. I mean, kind of for legitimate reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Anne is like a super weirdo, and George Michael is clearly dating her, kind of because she's there when he's really in love with maybe. Yeah. And then parallel to that, because so then Michael kind of starts hanging out with maybe and then maybe and Michael hanging out together make both Lindsay and George Michael jealous. And then the two of them start hanging out together. It's all very twisted and weird. There's yeah, a it's like nobody in this family, very few people in this family, I think, hang out together because they actually enjoy each other's company. There's usually an ulterior motive going on. Um, yeah, that's accurate. Whether I mean, that... Buster needs his mommy. But... Yes. Sister is my mother now, mother. Um, <laughs> you know. Hot ham water. Oh. oh. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh. Yeah, the food in the third episode we watched was, as Jundan and Raphael would say, upsetting. Yes. Um, but yeah, whether it is to make somebody else in the family jealous or they need something from the other person or whatever, like it's usually about that. It's very, it's very rarely about actually. It's like emotional connection. Yeah. yeah. Although I do think, and I said that I have this in the discussion notes, but like, I do actually think that Lindsay and Michael play convincing siblings and have some sweet moments, at least in the beginning of the series. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. So, meanwhile, Buster is supposed to be reporting to basic training in the army, <laughs> but he gets sidetracked by the claw machine at the pier. He goes to get change for his bus ticket, and he just gets sucked in. Yeah. Yeah. And he comes back to Lucille's apartment with a bunch of stuffed animals that he claims were like for marksmanship. And These stuff. are from army. This one is for, they're enrolling me in superhero class or whatever he calls it. I forgot. Yeah. Hero squad. Hero squad. Yeah. Um, Job is trying to run this Christmas party at the Bluth company. So he like gets it started way too early. He doesn't let anybody go home to change. He 
warns everybody that if they flirt with Lindsay, then they're fired. Uh, he steals liquor for the party from his mother's house. Which, side note on this, the Lucille through line in this episode is that Lucille is now with Oscar? Yeah, the her brother? husband's identical twin, yeah. And he has, like, gone off to do some, like, weird walk that he does every year. And so she's alone and she's kind of freaking out about it. So when she's like, somebody broke in, she does that. All, like, she thinks everybody's breaking into her apartment and it's really that uh, Job came in to steal the liquor from her house. And so, like, when she comes to the party, she's like, oh, thank God they have my brands here because it's yeah, all liquor that. from her house. <laughs> uh, Tobias, Michael sends Tobias to Lucille's apartment to, like, keep her safe, but he's in his blue man group. This is so funny because she tells Michael there was a colored man in her house. Oh my god, that's hysterical. And Michael's like, what color, mother? And she's like, blue, because (laughs) Tobias has painted his body blue. And she she gets him in the air with an air horn and then she like hits him on the head with like a poker. And and he's like, I blow him and then I poke him. Oh, this is very scattered. I apologize. Um, That's Lucille... what these episodes are, though. Yeah, are it really scattered. is. The, the Lucille thing gets solved when Michael gets Oscar to... He thinks he's telling Oscar to go have sex with his mother, but he... Oscar takes it as, go give your mother some pot. So Lucille ends up... Um, Stoned. Driving the car while high and running over Tobias and running into Job and Buster uses his newfound crane skills to pick Job up, but is not very good at dropping things off gently. So he kind of drops Job from a very high height, which doesn't seem to have any long term effects on Job. Um <laughs> Job fires everybody at the Christmas party, sort of in the middle they of roast, this, or they laugh at him. They don't. The poor guy who's giving the speech doesn't want to roast him, but he's trying to say nice things, and everybody just takes them as jokes because, of course, there's nothing nice to say about Job. Yeah, for real. I kind of love Job in a weird way. I mean, so do I. But but there's nothing nice to say about him. No. And then there's a whole thing where both George Michael and Lindsay, and also maybe and Michael, sing karaoke afternoon delight which is so awful it's... because it's so awkward and i was like who doesn't know what this song is about but it, they make it out like they none, none of them knows and uh so you know their children and their adult relatives singing a song about having sex in the p.m <laughs> yeah. and then <laughs> and then at one point tobias is trying to like make it easier for Lindsay to like they are you know they have an open relationship and so when Lindsay and george michael are singing it tobias sort of in his own tone deaf way goes up to somebody and goes that's my wife and my nephew we have an open relationship like not (laughs) sort of realizing that what it sounds like he's trying to hit on a woman i guess yeah it's all (laughs) maybe oh this yeah yeah Yeah. so that's that episode pretty much Then the third one is funny because this episode is a fourth wall breaker. Yeah. And the point of it is that the the creatives who were running the show at Arrested Development knew that Fox was misadvertising the show, putting it in a bad time slot, 
probably looking to cancel them. There is an epic, if you ever just want to hear David Cross become furious, there's an epic rant that somebody filmed of him screaming on the set in the second or third season about how Fox was managing to uh, mispublicize a show that had like won Emmys or something. Which I th- I think I don't think Fox has won a lot of Emmys, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. And so it was on the DVD extras for like the second or third season of Arrested Development, and I'm sure it's on YouTube. It's um, it's pretty crazy. But so so this episode is called SOBs, which is sort stands for Save Our Bluths in this context. But the whole episode is like the in the. The in-universe thing is that they need to raise money for a legal defense fund. But the, but the our universe thing is that they are basically begging for another network to pick up the show. Which now we know did happen with not a network per se, but Netflix picked it back up many years later and it does not have the same magic, certainly. <laughs> I think if Netflix had existed at the time and picked it right back up, yeah, then it could have been great. Yeah, I agree. So it's kind of a tragedy of its era. So, you know, they, they make jokes in the show that have extra meaning in the show where they're basically saying, like, you know, we'd like to get help from HBO. We'd like to get help from Showtime. Like, yeah. somebody help us. You know, like, tell let's your just bring a, a lot of uh, guest famous stars people, in, yeah, famous people who have nothing to do with our family, and see if that helps. Yeah, the narrator explicitly breaks the fourth wall a few times to say, like, "Isn't this a great conflict?" Or like, "Tell your friends about the show." So it's yeah. it's kind of it's really sad. You know, it's like watching. I mean, I don't want to be too melodramatic here, but it's like watching someone who's like scheduled for execution, like trying to Ugh, that is get really a, melodramatic. Get a get a everyone stay in from this the situation governor. is fine. No one's dying. <laughs> right, I said, I said, but yes, um, right. Or so that's, I think that's... I think more than that, it's like you know you're gonna get fired from a job. And so you're like, hey, can you tell my boss I'm doing a really good job? Like, it's, it's, you know. Right. Yeah. So that's the context of this episode. I just wanted to put that up front. Yeah. So they're trying to have this fundraiser where they are going to raise money for their legal defense. So it's this whole thread of trying to get people to come to it and trying to, try, you know, trying to get a celebrity guest. Um there is a school called Openings, <laughs> which is a hippy dippy school where, uh, in in this universe, Andy Richter is one of five identical quintuplets, and uh, one of them works at Openings and is George Michael's teacher. So Michael gets Andy Richter to come to this fundraiser. Maybe was originally going to Openings, but she got expelled, and she's been. Secretly, like an executive producer at a big, like basically, like Paramount. Yeah, <laughs> marry me. It's pretty great. Yeah, and and then you know Michael's on his usual high horse about like everybody needs to actually be working for a living. Job accidentally becomes a waiter. But that's my favorite thing of the whole episode. <laughs> that he just he's like he's like doing his goof, and then he realizes he gets tip money, and then he just you know kind of goes to this restaurant and starts working there. The uh, Side note, the racist old lady in the episode is the same woman who plays Ethel Beavers on Parks and Recreation. 
Wow. She's a Syracuse graduate. So just oh. putting that out there for all of my orange man pride. Racist fellow. old lady. <laughs> <laughs> and Lindsay is like becoming a quote unquote homemaker. Ooh. And she Ooh. is Sorry. butchering. She's butchering cooking, and she's also causing George Michael like a la- a large amount of distress because she just constantly goes around trying to burn the house down, but like not trying, but achieving it almost. Except that George Michael is like constantly following her and like turning off burners and moving hot things. <laughs> the thing that I got rewatching this is like George Michael. In these three seasons, George Michael is like sort of kind of the only. I wouldn't say normal, but like. He's trying, man. He's the, trying to be he's normal. He's trying really hard. And the thing that I liked the least about season four was... Yeah, They really changed his character, and I did not appreciate it at all. He was such a defer in that yeah, the fourth was, season. And he and... And the other thing I, I like, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit more to discussion, but, like, the other thing that I like is really that, like, you know, despite the fact that Michael has his own issues with selfishness, like, he does really care about... George Michael. He doesn't always he just do the kind best of doesn't job. know how to parent him. Right, because <laughs> probably because he had terrible role. Models. Yeah, like look at his role models, but he he tries and they do have like they're the only characters who really ever have like a heart to heart, you know. It's it's really about their relationship and the thing that I really didn't like about the fourth season was that they put them at odds with each other and I just yes. thought that was such a in, so like, she, a really deep, awful way. Not in the normal, like, oh, it's one episode that drove a wedge between us, but now yeah. it's okay. And also in a kind of a gross way. Um, yes. And Blech. so I, that's kind of what makes me sad, like, watching these earlier episodes and going, you know, Michael really does care about George Michael, even if he, they don't always know how to communicate with one another. Yes. So there is a whole thing in here where where Michael's like, you know, buddy, I just wanted you to, like, learn how to express yourself because I think, you know, you might have OCD. And George Michael's like, no, Aunt Lindsay's just burn- trying to burn the house down all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, in the end, the threads converge when Lindsay becomes the ad hoc caterer for Ooh, the Save yeah. Our Blues dinner. She serves undercooked gross chicken. Job plays the waiter, uh, but he gets really angry when he doesn't get tips. Michael stands up and um, talks us about his dad, which actually leads them getting a bunch of donations because they're like, oh, you're not desperate. Like, so they give him money. Yeah. But his, I mean, talk about the meta thing, right? He's like, maybe we're not worth saving. Maybe we really aren't likable. Like, maybe. Yeah, that's right. Know. That's what his speech is. It's Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there is that little bit of meta-ness in there, too. Right, and I I suppose that was the thing that they were getting from Fox executives, was that, you know, this show doesn't fit with our format, these characters aren't likable, you know, how are we supposed to get people to watch this? And it's funny because, I mean, everybody at this juncture would say that Arrested Development was brilliant and iconic and paved the way for so many things, blah, blah, blah. But it you know, like many artists, it was unappreciated or underappreciated in its time. Well, and Fox also very famously canceled Firefly. Oh, boy. Way before its time. Way, way before its time. If you ever want to watch... Um, take my love, take my love. We should do a Firefly episode. where I cannot stay. Um, if you ever want to watch an epic... Uh, rant about that there is a a zombie orpheus orpheus productions is like a basically a group of nerds who do 
really good videos and there's one where they go to a con and like one of the main characters talks about how criminal it was that they canceled firefly i'll see if i can link to it Uh, yeah please pm me that link yes i will i absolutely will (laughs) i'm not like i'm not like a huge huge firefly nerd but like it was an excellent show there's there's like really no denying that yeah and uh and really don't get its due famously joss whedon had like binders and binders of like he had many seasons planned out and they just canceled it and uh it's kind of a kind of a shame a real shame yeah the movie wasn't exactly a great follow-up it's a good movie but it's very disturbing yeah it's a bum it's a real bummer i remember the only thing i will ever rewatch from that is just when Summer Glau goes into the room of essentially zombies yes. and just destroys all of them yeah. without getting a scratch on her. Yeah, she's that, great. That part is great. The rest of the movie is, it's good. It's just like, it's no fun. Well, and Joss Whedon had said, like, if I had known that there would have been a chance to rehabilitate the show, I wouldn't have done the movie that way because there were a lot of characters who had some unfortunate ends. I think everybody, I think we're past the spoiler point, right, with that? I don't know. I remember I I started watching it late, and I was like, oh, this is my favorite character. You're like, never watch the movie then. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a leaf on the wind. Anyway, let's get back to Arrested Development. Yes. You want to start talking about Michael, it looks like, in the discussion, and then then transition to the, the, the... bulk of the discussion will be about Lucille. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, I just, I really, I like Jason Bateman a lot as an actor. Um, I think he Oh makes, man, he plays so many scuzzballs But though. that's kind of why I like him because I think he has the comedic chops and he is at least, you know, in first season, Michael is ad- adorable physically, I think. Yeah, he is. You know, he kind of has the, he could have been probably like a rom-com leading man, kind of like, you know, a a little nerdy, but like heart of gold kind of guy. But he, he makes a lot of really interesting acting choices. Like he was obviously in this show, he's like really underneath it all. Like not that likable. Same thing in Juno where he seems likable, but underneath it all, isn't that likable. He was in a Blumhouse. He's a creeper in yeah. Juno. Yeah. He was in a, a Blumhouse or Blumhouse uh, horror movie called The Gift, where he seemed cool and then turned out he had like a secret past situation and was not that likable. Oh, I vaguely, did he live in like some big modernist glass house in that yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah. I saw the trailers for that. And he's on a show on Netflix now, which I haven't watched, but I've heard it's very good called Ozark, where he plays a guy, he's like a financial planner who essentially gets in with some really shady characters and has, and has to uh, launder money basically for crime lords. And so, again, he's, like, playing this guy who seems really straight-laced, but is making some really terrible choices. And so, I think it's it's kind of... I, I just think he's an interesting actor, but really all I wanted to say about him was that I think he's adorable in the first season. And also, like I said before, I actually think Lindsay and Michael, at the beginning of... Like, they seem to be the ones because they're twins, and, you know, they're kind of the... If you're gonna look at the four kids they're sort of the ones i don't care for joe (laughs) (laughs) um 
they're sort of the only ones who like the two of them it, i always got the sense that like when they were growing up they were the ones looking at each other going like okay we're gonna take care of each other doesn't she turn out to have been adopted no maybe turns out to have been adopted mm, was Lindsay uh, adopted too uh you talk i'll google okay also i just wanted to point out that we find out that Mar- michael got married when he was a sophomore in college what's that about <laughs> did they just yeah, have that's to, real weird did they just have to like yeah explain... Lindsay, Lindsay was adopted that's oh right. really oh yeah i don't think maybe was oh maybe was artificial insemination uh maybe Lindsay was adopted at the age of three and raised believing she was Michael's twin sister. Oh, see. She was almost adopted by Stan Sitwell, but Lucille and George adopted her first just to stick it to the competitor. Eh. But regardless, if you grow up believing that you're siblings, like, I, I always got so the that's, sense it's that it's a big thing for George Michael because it means that maybe he's not genetically related to him. Yes. Yeah, so that was all I really wanted to say about Michael is that I think he's adorable, and also I like I. There are moments in his relationship with with uh, his sister that seem real in a in a show where a lot of everything else seems like very outlandish. There, they seem like they have a good chemistry with each other. J- uh, Justin Bateman's wait, Jason Bateman's real twin sister. Wait, twin sister? I'm not Justine. sure. Justine. Justine ba- Bateman um, makes an appearance on the show at one point. I Jason Bateman, I, I read an interview with him where he said he gets called Justin a lot because of his sister. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Sorry, Jason Bateman. Yeah, uh, yeah so, okay, forget everybody else. Lucille is the best. <laughs> okay, can I also just say about Lucille, she's kind of... She's kind of our mom, but like, yeah, that's kind of why we like her. Yeah, it's like we both are like mm, because in case mom is listening, but mom knows that we feel this. She way. doesn't listen to this. She has no interest. But, <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't understand very, the format, and she won't respond to it. It's a very Lucille thing to do. We've told mom. We've showed mom clips of Lucille, and mom has like really gotten a kick out of her. Our mom is a good mom. I think that's the biggest difference. <laughs> but she has the same kind of like misanthropic tendencies. And she also enjoys a glass of alcohol every now and again. Not as much as she used to. Right. Um, she had some health issues uh, yeah. that were unrelated to booze, but um, kind of caused some some lifestyle changes. Um, yeah. But when we were growing up... <laughs> Yeah, when we were going, and when this show was on the air. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uncanny at times <laughs> how much she reminds me. I, I think our mom is ultimately a combination of Lucille Bluth and Claire Huxtable. You know, she, she has... Great, yeah. That's a great... Yep. A hundred percent. She has the education and warmth and um, emotional intelligence and 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 authoritativeness in ter- i'm talking about you know uh, there's three broad styles of parenting permissive authoritative and authoritarian and mom was authoritative just like claire huxtable she has all those things about claire huxtable but sh- but her attitude <laughs> and her her sort of Mm. Her, her, her demeanor are a it's lot like, closer to it's, Lucille. It's like, how do we explain this without it sounding like we're ragging on our mom because we're not? 
Like, part <laughs> Don't of- get us wrong. We sometimes like to rag on our mom. but Oh, we this- rag on our mom all the time. <laughs> but we don't mean... Yeah. We I- don't mean that she's an alcoholic. We don't mean that she was like a Neglectful. Cold, like, a re- like a refrigerator mother who would adopt a child from... Where is Anyang from? Korea? Vietnam, I thought. Maybe okay. I'm wrong, though. Uh, who would adopt a you know a kid from from Southeast another Asia. country you know just to make a point or something like she, she was she's not... not transparently evil but like Lucille Bluth's kind of like take no shirt and also take no prisoners and also tell it like it is and also I don't care if you like it like all yes. that stuff is uh, very our mom <laughs> yeah I mean our mom would not. Um, feed us cereal from an ashtray as (laughs) Buster reminds her that she did. But but it is the same kind of, that's exactly what it is. And also just the general kind of like, she doesn't have, Lucille Bluth doesn't really care for people outside of her own family. She doesn't care what she thinks. Oh yeah, that's that's very mom. (laughs) You know, and also mom has the kind of thing of like, well, we're allowed to, like, get into scrapes with each other, but, like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, that's, I think, also very much our mom, too. Yes. And I can tell... Look, if she went to a restaurant that she thought was stupid, and they asked her a question she didn't want to answer, <laughs> she'd be about three inches away from, I don't understand the question, and I won't respond <laughs> to it. Which is, I think, why we love it so much. Yes. And it one feels of like reasons- home. in a very weird way but like listeners we hope you get it it's we we love our mom but there but there are a lot of things about lucille that i think are watching the show as an adult you're like yeah i get that i get that she's the most honest of all of them i'd say pretty much yeah and remember remember when she fixes everything for michael that one time I don't remember that. He messes something up with a land deal. Like, Oscar is involved. Some sort of, like, lemon grove that is, that is like, a, like a bogus land deal, but Michael gets suckered in by it. And Lucille's just like, shh, 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 mommy's gonna fix it. And then she goes to Oscar and she's like, you know, you're gonna let my son out of this land deal, basically. Mm. And, you know, and it doesn't matter. It's that sort of, like... You know, at the end of the day, she is she's very dedicated to her family, even though she's not emotionally available to any of them. <laughs> yes. So we love her. Yeah. She, and she's also like very gifable and like she's got great. She's just I great. still uh, one of my favorite tumblers of all times is Mitt Romney quotes. Yes! Oh my god, I forgot about yeah. that. Sorry, I just like yelled at the top of my lungs, but yes, I totally remember that. Yeah, Mitt, I believe it's Mitt Romney quotes put on top of Lucille Bluth images. Yes. I still have this in my feed. Yeah, she's like, she's like very out of touch, like, you know, or a lot of my friends will go, will be like, here's some money, go see a Star War. Like, she yes. kind of has that. Our mom knows what Star Wars is. Our mom introduced us to Star Wars. But yeah, like, can I say the thing about the the Jews? Do you think that's yeah, appropriate? Sure, why okay. Not? Well, yeah. I don't know. It's family friendly. So one of my favorite Lucille Bluth jokes ever, which made it into this episode, one of the episodes that we it was in the first episode we watched was when George Senior first goes to prison, he converts to Judaism. 
Um, and so I think that there are think pieces about the Bluths being crypto Jews, which I know is the second time we've talked about crypto Jews on this podcast. I believe that a hundred percent. Actually, I totally. I mean, their last that. name is Bluth for crying out loud. A- yeah. And and uh, you know, I think the and you know, Mitch Hurwitz is the guy who created yeah. the show. Yeah. I I think they are supposed to. Oh, and there's something about the the women in the family getting nose jobs. I think I think that. You are supposed to read them as, you know, Jews who... Now, I'm not sure about Lucille. Lucille may have married into, you know, the Bluth name and, and was uh, yeah. a shiksa. But well, Jeffrey Tambor is Jewish. Right. And he does yeah. read as Jewish. Yeah. So I, I think you're supposed to read the Bluths as sort of a sub Rosa sort of Jewish clan. Well, but because... they're not. But they don't like they don't acknowledge it or, or observe or anything. Yeah. Well, this is the 9,000th time I'm going to bring up psych on this podcast, but there's an episode where they deal with a woman who's very much like Lucille Bluth played by American treasure, Christine Baranski. Ooh, and, she's great. Oh, she's amazing. And she, one of the jokes that she makes is so like, they belong to a country club, which is also the Bluths belong to a country club. And she says like, we don't hide anything other than like large amounts of money, illegitimate children, and the fact that we're Jewish, right? So like, right. it's it, you, you almost get the sense of like the country club situation, or whatever. Like, I would I would actually believe that they are crypto Jews. But by the way, the Tumblr is Lucille and Mitt dot dot com. It Do is pictures yourselves a favor. Yeah, it is pictures of Lucille with Mitt Romney quotes on top of them, and it's pretty golden. So. He is in jail. He... Banks aren't bad people. They're just overwhelmed right now. And she looks kind of <laughs> looks kind of drunk. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> um, sorry, I, sh- I need to close this. <laughs> we could just read. Anyway, but after I... So let's get into that after I... But she... They're, they're all in the episode where um, Jesse is their publicist. He calls in through like a telelink to the family conference from the prison. And he is talking about the fact that he runs a Torah study group and Jesse's like, Oh, your father's religious now. Like, let's play that up. Cause it's very sympathetic. And Lucille is like drinking a martini and she just rolls her eyes and goes, yeah, who doesn't love the Jews? <laughs> Makes her laugh every time. Oh. And the other thing from that episode that I love is the night before or the day after the Klimpies incident, when, like Lindsay very clearly has a hangover and she's got a bag of ice on her head and she's at her mom's house and Lucille and Michael are like talking about what happened and Lucille goes over and you think she's going over to check on Lindsay, but she really opens the bag of ice and takes two pieces of ice for her (laughs) martini drink. Holy moly. It's just like those little, like that passes without comment. Like if you don't notice it, it just, would completely you know nobody remarks on it it's it, but it made me laugh so much yeah it's she's great she's hilarious and she also in that same episode when the whole fight breaks out at the restaurant it just shares a drink with carl weathers like with a smile on her face it's so great when asked about the Booth's family ambiguous sorry ambiguous religious identity, Hurwitz said they were originally based on his wife fam, wife's family. It started, it had a real Gentile vibe to it, but it got more Jewish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I can totally see that. The one thing our mom would never do is make us feel terrible about how we looked the way that oh, uh, Lucille no. makes Lindsay feel terrible. The way Lindsay, you know... 
Lucille kind of remarks on everybody's looks in a way that our mom would never, ever do. I mean, there's a lot of things our mom would never do. Let's be real. (laughs) That Lucille does cheerfully. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, she's, she's iconic. Just an iconic character. We love her. I love that when they started Archer, which is, I have to admit, not a show that I have really gotten into. I've watched an episode or two when I've been like in a hotel room, but... It's not really for me. It, it it seems funny. It just doesn't really jive with me. But I, yeah. apparently when they were casting Archer, you know, they said they wanted a Lucille Bluth type. And then it's like, well, we can just ask Jessica Walters if she wants to do it. And she's and she like, did. yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'd love to. And they're like, oh, my God, we're going to get Jessica Walters. <laughs> yeah, she's she is a treasure. She is a treasure. Yeah, I love that she was up for that. I mean, and that sort of shows, you know, she's got a sense of humor about herself, too. (laughs) She's like, you know, she's not Lucille Bluth. She's an actress who is very good. Yes. (laughs) You know, know, it's like that uh, Ian McKellen, Ricky Gervais clip um, about how how he acts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. Action. Wizard, you shall not pass. <laughs> Cut, Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. Yeah. Shall we do any anything else about uh, Arrested Development? Or is it mostly just about... No, I mean, like, who hasn't seen Arrested Development at this point? You know, like, if you haven't, it's on Netflix. For God's sake, just watch it. It's a seminal piece of American comedy. It's and, quite funny. Like, you should you should have watched it by now. <laughs> I'm shaming you. You who hasn't watched it. Just just watch it, you dummy. There we go. So I thought maybe since we're coming up on The Good Place pretty soon. Thank you, deity. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Jen. Judge Jen. A little The Good Place news slash uh, potentially a discussion question to like get us back in the groove. Apparently... The Gold Derby TV Awards, which I did not know were a thing, but... What is that? I, I is don't that like know. like Kentucky-based programming? I do, maybe. The Good Place claimed two acting honors. Best Comedy Supporting Actress went to Darcy Carden. Yeah, she, best, she deserves anything that they yes, give her. And Best Comedy Guest Actress went to Maya Rudolph. So many combinations to those ladies. Mm-hmm. And then I found this on a random website, but I'm assuming that it's true... Oh, good. I can't wait to hear what this is. LRM.com. Well, you can see it in the notes. But uh, with the next season taking place there. So they're they're pre I was basically searching for any like tidbits about season three. And they said, I keep watching. NBC keeps releasing these videos that are, you know, touted as promos. And then it's just like, it's nothing. There's no new footage at all. No. It's just like, you should be watching The Good Place if you're it's not. It's like, yeah, I'm on it. Get the like, fork help out. help me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with the next season taking place, or at least starting out on Earth, some of you may be worried that the show would be losing its magical quality. If that is a concern, don't worry, as Sure has made a point to retain its magical essence. Quote, we figured out stories where, at least once per episode, something very non-terrestrial happens. What? How does that? Okay. But that's why I thought it would be something interesting to talk about, because I don't know. Non-terrestrial. Ancient aliens. (laughs) The kingdom of the crystal skull. Oh, boy. And my last piece here. We talked about this via Google Hangouts earlier this week. So Dragon Con, which is like a big uh, Hmm. nerd gathering. um, And I say that with love in my heart. 
happened over Labor Day weekend, and we saw some pictures on Twitter, and one of the pictures that Darcy Carton retweeted was, apparently there was a Good Place cosplay, like, meetup, where a bunch of people who had cosplayed as characters from the good place like all got together and took a picture and there were a billion janets there were so many good and bad janets it was great and uh shouts to there was one guy who just straight up cosplayed as a cactus and was like (laughs) i'm a cactus so that sort of to me raised the question of uh who would you cosplay so i think i said to you in chat like if i could pull off tahani then yes. obviously Tahani, right? Yes. She has the most beautiful outfits. She does. I, I don't know if I can get away with that. I don't have Tahani's bod. Nobody does. Nobody does, except Tahani. She's basically <laughs> a, a model, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I don't, you know, Janet's ensemble, I think, would be very unflattering on me. Yeah. So I really don't want to, I don't really don't want to go with Janet. Uh, I think it's basically impossible to cosplay as Eleanor. She just wears normal clothes. Um, I thought about this. You could do Eleanor in the black dress with the best person sash and some shrampies. That was my thought. And a tiara. If it was fake shrampies, I would totally do that. Yeah, I'm not suggesting carry on real shrimp all day. That'd be super (laughs) gross. So you could certainly do that. That's sort of what I had thought of for Eleanor. Mm. You could also try to dress up as Eleanor when they go to the bad place. I was going to say the bad place version of any of them would be a pretty great costume. Yeah. If anybody like wants to dress up as the bad place version of Manny Jacinto and then send me a picture of it. Yeah, you have to be pretty attractive to pull that off. (laughs) But if you can, by all means, uh, send us a pic, please. Yes. (laughs) Or you could just wear a t-shirt that says dress bitch on it. Oh, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, I guess you have more options than I thought. Yeah. It is kind of a small ensemble, though, ultimately. Mm-hmm. You could just wear a tweed blazer and be cheaty. Gender-bending cheaty. Yeah, I don't think... Here, Here's, like, some real talk for you is, like, I, I've never been able to... You know, I don't really do costumes, and the few times I've tried, it hasn't gone well. Like, mm-hmm. there's some Halloween party and, like... 2004 maybe when I went as Catherine Harris who is like so irrelevant now it's not even I mean probably if you're even five years younger than I am like you have no idea who this was but she was like the attorney general of Florida or something I would have to go wait okay let me let me not spread misinformation let me actually American politician so she was yeah 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 so she was she was florida secretary of state and then she was actually in the house of representatives well that's not from a florida costume. of course no it was i uh, it that's was a, a that's co- a cheaty oh, oh, costume oh, okay so right so she gained national attention for her role in the florida election recount so she was like super in the news okay I know. You're but... like, so Ted's character on How I Met Your Mother goes to their building's Halloween party every year dressed as a hanging chad. Yeah, it was exactly like that. Yes. <laughs> uh, nobody knew who I was. Of course nobody knew who you were. <laughs> She's just like a lady in a suit. <laughs> I mean, I put on some pretty garish makeup. Okay. I think she was... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's, of course... <laughs> I didn't actually have a suit, so I think I just wore a turtleneck. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't... just cosplayed as, like, a regular, like, a real person. 
And, like, I didn't fundamentally understand, and I don't think I came to understand until, like, years later, that when you are a college-age woman, you're supposed to take Halloween as an excuse to kind of dress up super sexy. Like, you know, I, I think this is some thing on some some popular culture thing. Like, I, you know, I think this is a quote that I could quote from some TV show or something. But basically, like, you're supposed to take the excuse to um, dress in a way you wouldn't normally dress that is supposed to be, like, sexually alluring or something. And I, like... I was even, I was so okay, I'm not sorry. getting it. Even the way that you are <laughs> describing this right now. Well, I could say it in a way that I just don't want to no, say. No, no, I understand. I understand. I'm just teasing you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's hysterical. And I like I just didn't get it. And in fact, one of my dear friends, Amanda, who was also at that party, she also fundamentally did not get it because she was there in like a clown wig and a clown nose. <laughs> like other girls are like, I'm a kitty cat. And I'm like, I'm Catherine Harris. I'm the secretary <laughs> of state of Florida. Anyway. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I don't think that any cl- cosplay that I did would like actually succeed. I think if, but I think if you, I have cosplayed I mean, you cosplayed as Darth Maul, but that's like, I'm not saying it was easy, but no. when you have a character like that who like, right. yeah, you wear a black cloak and you paint your face crazy. Yeah, man. Is he is he canonically painting his face or does he canonically have skin like that? I think he canonically has skin like that because it's his whole body. It's like his whole, like he, he has a bald head with horns that is red. I think. Jeez. Yeah, it's, it was rough on my face everyone <laughs> but i did that and i also dressed up as uh han solo for the premiere of episode seven and at least in that context like it's super but, obvious but that's what i mean is i think there's a difference to me between cosplay which is particularly at a convention where people are going to understand what you're but dressed it's dragon as. con it's not good place con no, you but know it, it's dragon con but like if you were to if you were to pick a character, like you just have to make it recognizable. And actually a friend of mine went to New York comic con last year and, um, Jessica bragging that you have friends as usual. (laughs) And he took pictures of his favorite costumes. And one of his favorite costumes is very subtle. It was a girl dressed as Jessica Jones. And really the only thing that made her like stand out was the fact that she had a camera with her, which is Jessica Jones, like is basically a normal person dresses like a normal person, but like in a black leather jacket and she has a camera and like that's supposed to be, you know, so there are degrees of subtlety that you can use. Like, I'm not saying that you should spend like people spend thousands of dollars in order to. I, I don't know if thousands, but definitely hundreds of dollars in order to... Oh, thousands. No, don't doubt yourself. Yeah. Like, people... Okay, so this is... I'm totally veering off topic, but apparently there's a thing called WakandaCon, which I cannot believe I did wow. not know about. I'm sure that the people who show up for WakandaCon are, like, go spending thousands of dollars on their cosplay. But I think there's... There's a difference between going to a con dressed as a character and going to a college... <laughs> Halloween party dressed as the Secretary of State of Florida is all I'm saying. I channel all this now into my children's Halloween costumes. Uh, last year they were Calvin and Hobbes, but adorable. I, I, yeah, but I'll be honest, it was the exact same situation. Nobody knew who they were. I, there was 
one dad we went to this big like touch a truck halloween event where you like go around you can like sit in trucks and buses and they will also give you candy it was i mean from my perspective it was great my kids were like medium on it but we had them in a little red wagon my baby is extremely blonde i had spiked his hair up with hair gel or mousse or whatever and put him in a black and red striped shirt and black pants and little socks that looked like red sneakers and my firstborn was in a tiger costume and we put them in a little red wagon and we and we toted them around the touch a truck event and i am so naive i expected everyone to be like oh my god it's calvin and Hobbes! that's the most no uh one dad one dad as he was going i just heard the like oh Right? Like, <laughs> of, of like, total recognition. Be like, oh, 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 it's Calvin Hobbs. One dad. <laughs> so, like, I just, I don't, I'm not convinced that any good place cosplay I did would be recognizable. Because, come on, Calvin and Hobbs. This is not Catherine Harris anymore. I'm not arguing with you. Listeners, if you <laughs> want to tell us what character you would cosplay as for good place con... I mean, if you're a guy, it has to be Michael, right? It doesn't have to be. You can it doesn't do have to be, but it's the it's the easiest. You wear a nice suit and a crazy bow tie, and like you're done. You could be Glenn the Biter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you have a crazy beard, you're halfway there. If you want to tell us what uh, character you would cosplay as, let us know. You can tweet at us. You can email us. You can put it on Facebook. You know. Send us pictures if you've already done it. You think we have listeners who have cosplayed as Good Place characters? I don't know. We That would be so awesome. You guys, you have to send us a picture if you've done that. I, I can't I'm... believe you've been holding out on us like this. <laughs> if any of you are going to be at New York Comic Con this year, I will be there. So let me know. And oh, what, we what can... panel are you hosting? <laughs> uh, I am... I am not hosting any panel, but I uh, would 100% host a panel on, you know, how to host a slightly successful podcast <laughs> with a family member that n- that not even your mom listens to. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's that's too accurate. That is too accurate for comfort <laughs> but if you are going to be there get at me and we can hang out yeah you could have a, an honest to goodness half of this podcast meetup. woo and um, until 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 we are invited to do a panel it's going to have to only be half of us yes because yes. i'm not going until into new york comic-con until i'm invited to <laughs> be on a panel <laughs> We might be waiting for a while. Who knows? Maybe season three will really kick us up the rankings. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. There's only like 700 other Good Place podcasts that we have to compete with. It's fine. It's fine. How many of them have a host that you can't tell their voices apart? <laughs> that really oh, that's sets, a great question. That sets us apart. Can I tell you the other day I was listening to one of our episodes? I find them soothing to listen to sometimes, too. I have to admit. And I couldn't tell us apart. And I just, I was like, really? Oh. Like I, cause Which I was, one? Um, the the one we just did the um, playing the, house. Playing house, yeah. Wow, so you couldn't even remember the words you had said no, less I, than a week ago. No, I remembered what I had said, <laughs> but I was 
I was listening to it going, huh, that does sound like me, but I know that it's not me. And that must be very jarring for people who don't know it's not me. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. Much like uh, Rest Development, we're getting metatextual here. <laughs> tell your friends. Tell your tell, friends. Yeah, tell your friends. Uh, until next time. If you have a veiled criticism about me, I won't hear it and I won't respond to it. <laughs> we will see you next time, ding-dongs. <laughs> <laughs>